Somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps. Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem Media. Is a man also not sleeping. Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. And that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him from his votes for Damas. Of course that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. But we don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. Still to come. The president writes a song that makes the whole world cry. There is a secret war that you're unaware of being waged against you. Also the origin of the cheeseburger burrito. And before we're done, Ann Wilson in the spotlight. And now, from Times Square, where those involved in tagging brownstones will pause mid-spray just to mock the way you say, Bodega Beers. Let me just say I'm not going to spend too much time on Donald Trump's uh, cognitive disorders. He tried to say that Nikki Haley did not allow the National Guard to come, but it was Nancy Pelosi. He wasn't nobody. It was Joe. It was Donald Trump. Uh, who was that, uh, former Madam Speaker? Okay, it's news time. Here we go. For Assignment Desk Weekend, I'm Kevin McCullough. Here's the news. This week, the issue of border security rose to the top of the news cycle. Well, that and AI pictures of Taylor Swift, but I digress. Uh, They started out this week as the number one issue in New Hampshire because border and immigration were the top two issues in those voting in the Tuesday primary in the Granite State. But it also heated up later in the week because Katie Couric got an exclusive interview with the least popular person in the administration. 68% of Americans disapprove of the way the Biden administration has handled the border. So how do you address that? Have you done enough? There's no question. Our immigration system is broken. And it needs to be fixed. And as with any problem, then leaders will participate, true leaders, in the solution. Leaders participating in the solution is largely what American citizens, elected office holders, and even legal immigrants have been asking for for the past three years. Having exhausted all other options, Texas began enforcing its own border to which the president then took the state to court to try to stop. So why? Isn't the president trying to stop illegal? Okay. But anyway, so much for uh, leaders being allowed to participate in the solution. Leaders will participate, true leaders, in the solution. In response, the governor of Texas sent this letter to the president explaining his reasons why Texas will not comply. To which the president replied, Don't mess with the minimum American unless you want to get the benefit. 
Ooh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why. He also scribbled the words Weehawken, Dawn, in his reply back to the Texas governor. According to sources, Assignment Desk Weekend has learned that now 25 other states have lent verbal support, and some, as recently as just last night, like Alabama, have sent actual troops to Texas to support the operation to secure the border. The president didn't seem to like this much either. <laughs> oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. But in the end, he has decided against further action for now. In our Humans Being Thoughtful story tonight, one Girl Scout mom is scolding customers for mentioning weight problems or diets around her daughters when buying her daughter's Girl Scout cookies. Her concern is body image or something. There is no mention, however, in the same reports as to whether or not some customers may discuss the desire to cram an entire box of the delicious delicacies into their pie hole in one single sitting. More on this story as it continues to develop. And finally, the White House is urging Congress tonight to act on behalf of Taylor Swift. Because you know she's so picked on. Anyway, they're encouraging this action as unauthorized AI pics of the singer are flooding the interwebs. Originally just thought to be a kind gesture, Simon Desk Weekend can now reveal that the action by the White House is being urged in order to keep the universe of Swifties from storming the presidential residence and singing Swift's entire library of songs late into the night, early into the morning, until they have helped their mastermind. For Assignment Desk Weekend, It's your boy, Joe Rogan. I mean, Joe, Joe Biden. Joe, Joe Namath. Joe. Barack Obama's VP. And this is my new song. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Me and Hunter got matching tattoos. When we got money from Ukraine, gas companies, they paid in cash too. I was the first man to land on the moon. I invented the fork and spoon, the leader of a whole damn platoon. I helped Michael Jackson write his tunes. I was there at George Washington's birth, and when Peter invented the church, I taught Kelly Slater to surf. I'm the greatest president on earth. I was there when Abe Lincoln was shot. Me and Bob Norley smoked pot. Used to be a fireman and cop. I was there when 50 Cent was shot. Kids rubbed the hair on my legs. I'm the one who got out of debt. Robert Byrd was my good friend. Eulogized him when he was dead. Yeah, he was in the KKK. Who cares? Just vote them. You ain't black if you don't vote for me. Yeah, that's actually what I said. I was arrested during civil rights. Never mind, I was with the whites. I used to drive an 18-wheeler. I taught Mike Tyson how to fight. Three-letter word, J-O-B-S. No time for your BS. Check my face, I always seem stressed. I need a break, is it recess? 
Why are stairs so hard to climb? Like Logan Paul and KSI, I'm in my prime. High res, help me write these rhymes. 2 p.m., it's my nap time. You're a dog-faced lion pony soldier. Come on, man, let me sniff your kid. Whoops, whoops, I already did. If you don't vote for me, you're so mid. I went to an all-black college. Top of my class, I have knowledge. I'm so Polish, I'm mean Polish. I used to work at the Olive Garden. I can relate to the people of Maui. How can I make this thing about me? My garage burnt down. Almost lost my wife, my Corvette and Audi. Four kids are just as bright as whites. Come on, man, Uncle Joe is right. I'm honest Abe, I never lie. Me and Taylor Swift are really tight. I'll lead a strategy mobilizing. True and international of Russia. So if you want Biden 2026, vote for me this September. You're a lying, dog-faced pony soldier. Come on, man, you're a lying, dog-faced pony soldier. Come on, man, you're a lying, dog-faced pony soldier. Come on, man, you're a lying, dog-faced pony soldier. Come on, man, come on, man. Okay, we've got a great store concept. Healthy foods in really tight spaces. We'll call it Trader Joe's. We should put them in already really congested areas. Perfect. And make the parking lots really small. Better yet, let's find a way to put them on a hill. This hill is perfect. Yeah, so when you're loading your groceries, the cart just goes sliding out of control. Amazing. Did you feel borderline dangerous to get into or out of a parking space? Let's make sure to have half, half the, the number of spaces needed for the store. store. They're going to be riding the high of finding a spot when they're shopping for cauliflower gnocchi. What else should we sell there? How about this? Let's each think of a random food. Okay. We'll combine those foods and that's what we'll sell. Okay, ready? Go. Mango. Oreos. Chocolate. Pumas. Birthday cake. Popcorn. Philly cheesesteak. Dumplings. Tomato. Truffles. Hot cocoa cream cheese. This store could be terrible. Or amazing. So far we have tight spaces that don't fit a standard car, mm -hmm. preferably on a hill, yes. and really strange food combinations. Can we make everyone who works there like suspiciously nice? So nice. Yeah, you'll find yourself talking to them while they're scanning your groceries about that time that your mom left you in the Chuck E. Cheese parking lot on your sixth birthday. That sounds traumatic. Sorry that happened. Oh, it's fine. No, the therapy really helped. Anyway, we'll just make it feel wildly personal. Make the lanes feel really tight. Make the aisles tight. And never stock enough of anything. Have weird seasonal items. That'll sell like hotcakes. Honey sriracha hotcakes. And then never, never stock, stock them, them again. again. This store is going to be great. Every town is going to want one. Everyone. All this talk about food is making me hungry. Want to get some lunch? Sure. What do you want? Okay. Cheeseburger. Burrito. Cheeseburger burrito. Ready or not, we'll be right back. That Kevin. Now, back to that Kevin show with Kevin McCullough. Welcome back to Times Square. It's that Kevin show and uh, glad to have you with us. My next guest is someone that has uh, been helping people figure out how to protect what they have earned for the last 30 years or so. In fact, uh, one of the uh, real uh, treasures that I'm, I'm sure that he uh, appreciates about his life is that it, he, he is a lifesaver in many respects uh, for families financially. He is the CEO of Swiss America, and we are very, very thankful for Swiss America's partnership in this broadcast uh, endeavor. So, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome Dean Eskin. Hello, Dean. Hey, 
Hey, Kevin, how are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you being with us. Um, Great to be here. I've been telling my listeners about the war on cash, and I will never forget the first time I heard that expression. And I thought, what a ridiculously stupid idea for the government to try to keep cash from its citizens and trying to keep them from spending the money that they have rightfully earned. And then I started looking into it, Dean, and I realized it wasn't hyperbolic. It wasn't, it wasn't anything else. It's a real thing. What's going on? It, it is a real thing. And, um, and unfortunately, it's become a, it's, it's a very real progressive thing, meaning that um, day by day, it seems, Kevin, that more and more of our personal liberties, not just as it pertains to cash, but just in life, are, are kind of eroding away. But as it does pertain to cash, the, the privacies we have there, the abilities we have to use our money as we deem or choose to use our money, uh, they're, they're quickly, quickly going away. And we put this report out originally, I should know, but I don't off the top of my head, roughly 10 years ago. Mm. And certainly we, we modified or re revised it over time. Um, but it has been the secret war in cash, this report that we offer to people, it has been the most uh, sought after requested report we've ever done in the history of our company, which is over 40 years now. And I think part of the reason for the success is like, we don't have to convince people or tell them, you know, why this is a real thing, why that you're losing your liberty to your cash, because they are living it every day. Mm. And it's coming from in all different shapes and sizes and many different angles, meaning just the overall ability to use cash. A lot of places you can't even do that any longer. Um, the changes and the restrictions that we've seen in the banking industry, especially in the course of the last year. Um, if you follow that at all in, in our podcast that we do, we've been discussing that very extensively where people have had their bank accounts literally just arbitrarily frozen no explanation from the bank. And in some cases, in fact, there was one story in particular we highlighted. Uh, this individual had several hundred, I believe it was a three or $400,000 of their money a year into it now, still no explanation, no access to their funds. And so why this is happening, you know, depending on what side of the political spectrum you might fall, some people just say it's the, it's the way things are going. And there's probably some truth to that. Other people say this is the way they're ushering in just stronger financial governmental control uh, in literally all areas of our life, not least of which being our finances. There's so much that I want to bounce off of you in the next few minutes, um, but we could spend the next several hours dissecting some of this. But when you talk about the government freezing accounts, um, my listeners and viewers will remember and know that when Joe Biden came into office, uh, there was um, th there was all this discussion about uh, wanting to make sure that they now monitored things that they had not previously monitored. For instance, Venmo and uh, PayPal accounts. Uh, they wanted to uh, crack down on people that work in the quote-unquote gig economy, where if you're a musician or a babysitter or a plumber and you need to go do individual jobs and you get paid electronically, they want to snoop on all of the activity that you're doing, not trusting you to report what your activity is and to pay it on your tax form. They want to they see it transaction by transaction. I've known about for years uh, since the, it wasn't Sarbanes-Oxley, I'm trying to remember the uh, the legislation. It was one that was not, 
disassociated but kind of linked to Sarbanes-Oxley, but it had to do with regulatory reform during the Obama years. And they they approved a thing called the bail-in where they could reach into your sure. account, take money out, and just put a government IOU in its place. Any any account you had that was electronic, they can do that. They can still do that. That is still the law of the land um, as, as we sit here today. So when you start talking about government wanting to do away with one area of life that we feel like we have some sense of sanity and control over, and that is our own money. And if I want to store um, suitcases of it under my bed, I should have the right to do it. I earned it. It's something that I worked very hard for. Um, so for people that are just hearing this for the first time and kind of becoming more aware and kind of associated with, with what we're talking about, why is this such something that you guys are so concerned about. And obviously you've had um, thousands of people, millions of people ask for this report. I want my people to get it as well, but why is it, why is it so vital? Well, you know, it's the, the report itself is vital. <clears throat> Excuse me for the crud I was mentioning. Uh, <clears throat> as the old expression goes, forewarned is forearmed. And really, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's easy enough in life to just kind of idly sit back and watch things take place around you because doing nothing is obviously easier than doing something. Uh, but if you start to really take a look and pay attention to some of these changes, some of these developments, uh, what the secret war on cash report does is it, it highlights real life situations that are occurring each and every day. And, you know, the, the changes, the, the functionality of banks our entire life was very simple and very practical, meaning we earn money. We took some of that money that we didn't need to use. We'd give it to the bank. They would hold it for safekeeping. Maybe if we were lucky, paid us, you know, a, a nominal uh, return on that money. And at whatever point we needed to go get that money, we would have access to it. Um, th that dynamic has done a complete 180 and a lot of it in the last 12 months, meaning, as we just mentioned a moment ago, you have now them coming in and just seizing accounts, freezing accounts. Uh, many cases, there is no explanation given. Now, in times past, banks would close an account or seize funds, if you will, due to perceived or presumed illegal activity, drug dealing, um, <clears throat> whatever illicit game. But there would usually people... have to be some sort of legal precedent for that, right? So there had to be Cor a warrant, a judge had to issue a ruling. There had to be something that warned you that they were going to do this. But everyday average citizens, Dean? Right. And and we've, uh, in particular, there's business owners who have been using the same bank for the same functionality for decades, decades. And now all of a sudden they go put a cash deposit in and that bank again, just are somewhat arbitrarily closes that account. And now they no longer have access to those funds. And, you know, the, the changes, uh, why they're occurring, that's the million dollar question. Yeah. In, uh, okay. Hold that thought inflation. just for a second. Cause we're going to take a break and come back with Dean Heskin, who is the CEO of Swiss America. If you're not familiar with Swiss America, they are the industry uh, literally gold standard for people that deal in precious metals. The re but if you don't get anything else out of this, I want you to go get this report, The Secret War on Cash. Uh, they will send it to you absolutely free. The number is 800-289-2646, 1-800-289-2646. When we come back, what difference does it all make? Stay here. Stick around for more of That Kevin Next. 
Kevin McCullough. Times Square, uh, the heart of the most important city on the mo- in the most important country, on the only planet that, <laughs> that has such things as investments and uh, the, the, the things that you need to think about when you're trying to protect your family for your future. Look, when I was a kid, I thought that just working and saving and doing my thing was going to be it. Then I started having my own children and thinking about their future and what I want to leave for them. And the more that the government says it wants to do things like try to like try to track every single transaction you have off of your electronic bank account, off your PayPal, off your Venmo, off of whatever, uh, the, the more they are up in your business about every single penny that you – and this, there's only one reason why they're trying to do that. They want to know when money changes hands, if they can tax it. And this is this is the real bottom line. Uh, we have a government that is out of control in terms of being responsible with its own funding. And as a result, they need more and more of our money. Dean Heskin rejoins us from Swiss America. And Dean, one of the reasons I love uh, people having cash reserves and gold and silver reserves uh, that they can access is because it's literally not trackable by the people that are trying to, you know, look up our nose hairs on everything. Yeah, that's definitely an advantage. And it's not to say, I can tell you with our our clientele and the discussions we have with them, um, there's a difference between trying to hide things and trying to keep your things your things and keep your privacy your privacy. Exactly. Uh, Our clients aren't trying to hide anything. They're not trying to get away from anything. The monies that they're putting into uh, their metals portfolio. They're doing so with, and sometimes retirement allocated funds through an IRA or a 401k, or their their own discretionary or investment funds that they've paid their tax on. They're just looking to put them away and keep them there for, for a different time and a different day. Um, you know, we talked just a moment ago, we were talking quite a bit about banks and the problems there. But as you just on the intro there kind of got into, there's so many other factors that are involved in this. Yes, the government being one of them. Um, the government, the problem with your money that sits in the bank, that's that's your government's money. That currency is what they produce. And they have done a, a tremendous job of devaluing that considerably over the course of our lifetimes. And it doesn't look like that's going to stop anytime soon. When we talk about our government, no criticism, just a fact. Um, they are probably probably the most gross mismanagers of money that you'll ever find on God's green earth. Hmm. And so well, gold, one of the things that gold, Kevin, that really makes it a standalone asset, we, we are not suggesting that gold is the end all in terms of people's finances, investments, and savings. Uh, it's just another cog in the wheel of diversification. You know, have your equities, have your, your, your government bonds if, you, if you're into that, money's in the bank, um, real estate, gold and silver certainly playing into that. Be diversified. The strength that you have in gold is this. We are living in a very volatile and a very changing financial marketplace and economy today. 
no longer can we look at things just from a domestic level. Uh, the, the things that are happening abroad or globally have a very direct and in some cases very serious impact or potential implications on our, our finances and our economy. The advantage you have with gold and silver, they're considered to be sympathetic metals, but that's a discussion for another day. Gold is a non-encumbered asset. And what I mean by that, if you're holding a gold coin in your hand, the value of it is based on what it is. It's not a debt. It's not an IOU. It has a value just based on what sits before you, physical gold. With that said, here's where one of the biggest strengths come from. Gold does not depend on the U.S. dollar in order to maintain value. Mm -hmm. As you and I are speaking here today, Kevin, without us having to do a thing, gold has a value in U.S. dollars, but it also has a value in pound, lira, yen, euro, go right on through the whole gamut of currencies. It is universally supported with no debt tied to it. And so the significance of that, should there be, as some have suggested or or forecasted at some point, given the debt burdens of our nation, you know, our currency could collapse. Seems far-fetched, but then again, why wouldn't it? I mean, we are drowning in debt on every level now. Something like that happens, and the U.S. dollar loses its, its value entirely. Uh, trying to get your money out of the stock market would probably prove to be next near impossible, or bonds, or mutual funds. Real estate, the, the, the ability to move or transfer wealth there would be very difficult. But when you have something that carries that universal support of value like gold, that's where you're going to find your strength in times of need. Friends, it's just, uh, I, I'm a big believer, big fan, and I, I love Swiss America. I love what they've stood for for 40 years, uh, and you're getting a taste of their leadership with uh, Dean right here. And he's going to join us again in the very near future. Dean, happy 2024 to you. Thank you for being here. We'll talk to you real soon. Thank you, Kevin. You as well. You got it. Again, SwissAmerica.com backslash that Kevin show. SwissAmerica.com backslash that Kevin show. Stick around for more of that Kevin. Next, that Kevin show with Kevin McCullough. Square, really glad to have you with us. Thank you for being here, Kevin McCullough. Some uh, interesting thoughts as we get closer to our next uh, final spotlight for the night. This has really bothered me because since last week, this has this has stayed in the back of my head in a way. You know, you know how a like a pebble gets in your shoe and you can't get it out, and it just it's just irritating until you basically destroy the shoe and find it and like. Rid yourself up. That's what this has been doing to me over the last week. Last Monday, just the night before New Hampshire, uh, former President Trump brings up something in his speech. And, and as I said earlier in the show, he's very kind. He doesn't seem to be overly stressed this time. He's he's campaigning from such a chill place. I, I want to find out. <laughs> he started taking yoga or something like I I, I, I don't know. Anyway, um, he says, have you noticed that President Biden uses the make America great idea as a punching bag? And he does. MAGA extremist this and MAGA that. Blah. He can't say the word make America great again without like making a face, a distorted 
out of proportion face. It's terrible. And it caused me to start thinking about not just the fact that it's true, but why is that? And not just in a political sense. It's not something that I care about just on the on on the purpose of he's on the other side of where I am ideologically. And so I'm, I want to be winsome. I want people to like the ideas that I try to put forward because I honestly think we, people that see it similar to me have great ideas. I genuinely believe that most people get up, go to work in the morning. They're not thinking about how can I, put in all this time and effort so that I can pay for someone else's dinner and house and car and all the rest of it. I, I, I don't think that that's what they think of. I think they think if I get up and go to work today, I want to work so that I make my family safe. I make my family secure. I make my family great. That as, as I put in this toil and labor, my goal is to make sure that my family is, is well off, that we're taken care of, that we have what we need. I think that's how the average worker approaches it. And I don't think that's bad, by the way. I actually think that's very morally good. But I was thinking about, you know, other arenas, school teachers. Do, do, we, want, do we want our school teacher to approach teaching school that day for the kids. It doesn't matter if it's in public or private or uh, a, a, you know, a, a religious school, a home school. Do you want the person teaching your child to think um, anything other than how can I help this child learn in a great way, in the best way? What's the best way I can help this child learn? When my mechanic takes my car to the garage, I, I don't want him to, to think, well, how can I just, you know, barely put duct tape over this hose so that it, you know, it kind of gets down the road a few more miles before it blows again. No, I want him to, to make my car great. I want him to take that old hose out and replace it with one that doesn't have any cracks or holes in it. I, I, I want it to be done great. In my relationships with people, I don't want to have superficial Hey, how you doing? You know, kind of relationships. I, I want to have great relationships. I want people that I learn to love and trust to learn to love and trust me. And I want to have meaningful depth to the conversations that we have, to the activities that we do together, to maybe the way we're raising our kids and can uh, kibitz about, you know, the trials of parenthood or whatever else. But I want it to be great. If, if I buy tickets to an NFL game to see the Cowboys play somebody, I don't want them to play mediocre. I want them to play great. And it is a normal thing, and it is a good thing, and it is a morally good thing for us to say, out of life, we want great expectations. That we want great teaching in our pulpits and great singing from our artists and great paintings from, from the people that do that. That if someone is, uh, is, is going to ask us to pay money to go see a Broadway show, that it not just be, you know, well, it's kind of relatively okay. No, we want it to be a great performance that night. And if we're asking that, follow me closely on this. If we're asking that of every element of society, 
from our actors, from our movie makers, from our sports teams, from our business associates, from our employees, from our marriage partners, from our kids, from the people that make our food at our favorite restaurants. Pick any place in life that you spend money or energy and you actually take the time to think about why you do it, why you're there, why you go there to eat dinner instead of the place down the street. Is there not a single area of your life that you don't desire? You may not demand it. You may not have the ability to pay for it if it's above your pay range. There's lots of things I can't access that are great because I don't have the ability to. But the things that I do spend my money on, the, the places I do spend my time, the people that I interact with, my goal is always, I want it to be great. I want it to be great time spent together. I want the, the efforts and the goals of the teams I work on to have great success. This idea that you can say, make America great with some sort of turned up lip can only be said by people who are the enemies of the country. Because if you're not rooting for the country, if you're not rooting for the greatness of American excellence, if you don't want our Olympic team to win all the golds, if you don't want us to win every war that we engage in, if you don't want us to, to, to have the best economy and the most prosperity and the, the best chance for everyone in the culture to rise as far as they can go, if that's not your goal, you're not a good American. You're not a great American. You may not even be an American. So as, as I was thinking about this, this offense that it is to the current president, that people want America to be great, I can't help but think we need a great president, not somebody who looks at the country that he lives in with disdain. Ready or not, we'll be right back. gentlemen, she will be one of the most decorated songwriters of 2024. Once again, Ann Wilson. Tell me how much hurt can a heart take? Tell me how much wins till the walls cave? You can just stay right there in the pain or listen to the voice that you hear when you pray. Tell me how much hurt can a heart take before it breaks? When the storm rolls in and the sky won't quit crying And you've lost more tears than you thought you could ever lose Oh, I swear somewhere out there the sun is somewhere shining So dry, baby, dry, baby, dry till it shines on you And leave the rain in the rear view 
That's not to say that this year won't be a huge year for her. Anyway, uh, so glad to have you with us. Thank you to everybody who was on with us tonight. Monica Crowley, uh, Ann Wilson, uh, Dean Heskin, Kevin Downs. Grateful for all of you. And uh, we'll be back next week with more news from the week and uh, hopefully a little bit of fun to be had with it. Until then, get everything you need for That Kevin Show at thatkevinshow.com and That Kevin Store for the new merch. See you soon.